We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. Hi, friends. I have a quick announcement before we dive into today's episode. I was supposed to teach an in-person workshop in Utah on Saturday, April 25th, but that obviously isn't happening anymore because of COVID-19. I'm so sad that I won't be able to meet those ladies in person and hug them and be with them. The only silver lining is that now I'll be able to offer this workshop online, which means that you can attend if you'd like to, no matter where you live. In this workshop, I walk you through a three-step process for clarifying what you want for your motherhood, and I help you develop an action plan for how to get there. The workshop is interactive, full of hope and concrete tools, and many attendees have called it life-changing. If you're feeling especially worn down by motherhood right now, there couldn't be a better time for you to attend. Because I mail out the workbooks and a few goodies, yes, like snail mail, I have to close workshop registration this upcoming Saturday. So if this opportunity is tugging at your heart, don't delay. Pause the podcast right now and go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash online to reserve your ticket. I would love, love for you to join us. Okay, now let's get into today's episode, which I know is a topic that we all need right now. This is episode 125, Three Tips for the Accidental Homeschooling Mom. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. One of my favorite comedians on Instagram is Sean Johnson of the account The Johnson Files, where he regularly dresses up as a mom named Sandy and parodies the insane ups and downs of raising humans. He has a skit about the frustration of carpool lanes at school, the ridiculous excuses that our kids make to delay bedtime, and even a series called Mom, Watch, where he teases about how our kids ask us to drop everything to watch them do something super thrilling, like hold their breath or crab walk across the room. It's no surprise that a few weeks ago, in the midst of this coronavirus quarantine, the Johnson Files came out with a skit about how every mom is suddenly tasked with being a homeschooling mom, and we have no idea what we are doing. My favorite part of the skit is when he ducks behind a door so his kids won't hear him and asks, Siri, what is an adverb? I think we all laugh at this skit because we relate to it. Not only do we often not know the subject content of our kids' schoolwork, we have no idea how to do this whole adventure. We didn't have any time to prepare, and we were thrown into a whole new wild world of educating our children at home. That's why I knew I needed to get some true experts on the show to help us all out in our time of desperation. And today on the podcast, we have two moms who have definitely reached expert status for several reasons. First, they each have nine children. Yes, 18 kids between them. You heard that correctly. And second, they have been homeschooling all of those children for over a decade. That is a truly heroic and superhuman feat in my mind. And yet they don't see themselves as superhuman. They see themselves as normal moms doing their best to love and raise good children, just like all of us. 
They're on a mission to inspire moms to find joy in the chaos of motherhood through their weekly podcast called Outnumbered, which is such a hilarious and perfect title because they're obviously way outnumbered by their nine children each, yet they mother with grace, resilience, and joy every day. I can't wait to share this conversation about homeschooling basics with all of you. First, a quick reminder about an amazing tool you can use if you need some extra emotional support during this crazy time when you're taking on so many new responsibilities and added stressors. This month's sponsor of 3 and 30 is BetterHelp, the world's leading provider of online therapy. You know I love counseling with my whole heart and soul, and I'm truly honored to partner with a company whose mission it is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient to anyone who struggles with life's challenges. With online counseling, you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You'll be able to send your counselor a text or chat message anytime, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's so convenient, and 3 and 30 listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code 3 and 30. To get started, simply go to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30, and that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and fill out the onboarding questionnaire to help them assess your needs and match you with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash three and 30. If you've been feeling extra anxious, stressed, or depressed in the last few weeks, I hope that you'll give this online option a try. And now here's my conversation about a family first, sane approach to homeschooling. I hope you'll enjoy it. Here we go. Audrey and Bonnie, welcome to three and 30. We are so excited to have you here to teach us. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here. You really are, in my mind, superhuman, raising all these kids, and you have a podcast on top of that, homeschooling. You both run sewing blogs and have a passion for sewing. I'm just so impressed by the two of you. And like I said in the intro, so many of us have been, we've been thrust into this unfamiliar role and we're struggling. And I do want to acknowledge up front that what we're currently doing is not exactly typical homeschooling um, where like we didn't choose this. We didn't really have time to research and gather supplies and get excited and prepare. And I also think there's a lot of women who don't really have total control over how it's being done because their school district is saying that they have to do certain things or an online format and other school districts are more lax. And so it's just an interesting time. Bonnie and I were just discussing that the other day, how different it must be for every mom who's homeschooling right now or every parent, because Bonnie and I did choose to homeschool. It was our choice and we got to choose our curriculums. And every day when we get tired or upset or out of patience with our kid, we're like, yeah, but I chose to do this, which whereas Every mom out there that's homeschooling right now, not by choice, it it wasn't something that she chose and she can't comfort herself with her, her thought of, yeah, but I chose this. Yeah. But I feel like when I listen to your podcast, I can see the joy and the excitement and how maybe this really is an opportunity, even if I'm only going to be doing this for a couple of months and it's not my long-term plan there are things I can do that are simple to make this a meaningful time for all of us. So I would love if you would start us off with our first takeaway of how to make this time manageable and meaningful. 
Yeah, totally. Okay, so our first takeaway is to prioritize your own self-care during what we call this survival time. Okay, so this might not be directly related to homeschool, but when kids are home all the time, it is extremely stressful and emotionally overwhelming. On our podcast, we talk a lot about what we call survival times, and these are times when the rug has just been pulled out from under you. You don't know what is up and what is down. You're struggling to just survive every single day. And it can be a variety of things. It can come from from a variety of things. Anything from as small as like your baby's teething, so he's not getting a lot of sleep, so you're tired, to really huge life-altering things like divorce or a death in the family or a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic that we don't know when we're going to see relief from. (laughs) So these survival times really require us to go back to the basics. And for us, basics always have to be our own self-care and our own self-preservation. That has to be your number one priority because if mom is crazy or mom is hungry or mom is tired, then the kids are going to suffer as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree with this more, but I'm finding that it is difficult to figure out how to fit it in. So I'm very interested in knowing how you do this when you have nine children. Like logistically, do you have some tips for when you fit yourself care in? Yeah, for me, it looks like I have to get up early in the morning before my kids get up. And then I have to spend a little time getting myself ready for the day so that I'm feeling good. For me, I can't spend my whole day in pajamas and feel great about myself. I have to get up and put some effort in the way I look because it affects the way I feel. And then I can go forward confidently into my day and be a better help to my kids. Yeah. So like Audrey said, getting ready for me is is essential. Exercise is ideal, but we all know how difficult that can be. So um, I also try to get up early and do it before my kids need me. But during so many phases of life, like anytime you have a nursing baby, it's really difficult to do this. (laughs) And so you just have to get creative. You know, I've, I've been known to take my kids to the park and we're like, okay, one, two, three, sprint, everybody run. You know, mom needs exercise. You need exercise. Let's do it. Another one is daily quiet time. We talk about this a lot on our podcast too, that after lunch, at least for us, it's after lunch, right around one o'clock, I need to have office hours and my kids need quiet time because if there's not quiet time, they just kind of spiral out of control by about four. So we try to separate kids by bedroom. This does not look perfect ever. It looks kind of messy, but we just do our best to allow for some calm time amidst the storm so that babies can nap, mom can work, and we all get a break from each other. Those are really essential. Yeah. And I'm sure this is something that you, your whole family has gotten better at. They know it's a daily expectation. They've gotten better at it with time, which is something that you talk about a lot on your podcast that I appreciate is everything gets easier the more you do it. Easier on your kids, easier on you. And so don't give up. Just keep after it and keep persisting through trying to build in these routines in your home. And one thing that I've learned from my little sister that I love, I really admire this about her. Um, She's really prioritized, always has prioritized exercise. And so when she became a young mom, she just wasn't willing to give up on that. But she's also not a morning person. (laughs) And so she said to me before, I will never get up before my kids. Like, are you kidding me? She's like, but my kids can handle knowing that their mom is going to exercise every day when they're awake. So she has three kids, five and under. And she says, it's just part of their routine that every day they know mom is going to work out for 30 minutes and do a video or whatever. And she's taught them and trained them to, to let her do that, you know, and it took time, but they'll either join her or they'll play in the corner while she does it. Or sometimes she'll resort to a show, which is okay to get that self-care time in. And she's also taught me to do that with scripture study. She's like, just because it didn't happen 
before they woke up doesn't mean that you can't say to them, it's really important for me to read my scriptures and I'm going to sit here and do it for 10 minutes and you guys need to play. Yeah. And what an awesome lesson that is to your kids. Look, mom didn't get this done in an ideal moment, but she's still going to fit it in because it's a priority. Yeah. And for them to see that exercise, that scripture study is important to their mom. I think sometimes when we're do, if we do all of that stuff, when they're not around, they may not even know how much we value it. So that's been a good reminder for me, who's also not much of a morning person to not just give up on it. If it didn't happen before my kids woke up, it's very interesting to me to hear how moms of lots of children can still make this happen. So thank you for starting with that. And then what's your next takeaway? Our next takeaway is embrace one-on-one time. We were thinking the other day, focus on this time that you're getting to spend with your kids. This is historical. This isn't like summer vacation. This isn't like any other time period because you are, okay, you can use the word stuck at home with your kids, but you can also look at it like a gift. Now, one-on-one time doesn't mean just you and one kid alone in a room. To us, one-on-one time means connect with your kid. So maybe you have a toddler crawling all over you while you're working with your third grader on multiplication tables. So we focus on making time with each kid count in the way that they need to be interacted with. And sometimes the way a kid needs to be interacted with isn't your first instinct or your first impulse to interact with them, but it's really, really important to connect with kids in the way that they need to be connected with, especially in this time when there's so many things that are a roller coaster ride for them that, you know, if mom is making me feel validated, safe, connected to at this time, that's, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like one thing that you talk about on your podcast is homeschool doesn't have to look a certain way. It can be learning rich experiences. I, you use that phrase and I wrote it down that, you know, just reading with your child or having a discussion with them about something that they've observed in the world or sitting down and drawing with them, that counts as homeschooling. So embracing this one-on-one time as part of the school day and making it happen, logistically, again, how do you fit that in when you're when you're homeschooling a lot of children at once? Do you have like a schedule where you say like 10 minutes with this kid, 10 minutes with this kid, or how do you make sure that this happens every day? Yeah, absolutely. A schedule is so crucial. And I've mentioned this a couple of times on Instagram recently that even if your schedule just says, wake up, eat breakfast, get dressed, play in the backyard, eat lunch, watch TV, like just create a schedule because a whole day's worth of nothing on the calendar is really daunting for both kids and parents. Kids get antsy and they start begging for things and, you know, they can't be calmed down because they don't know what to expect and they really need that structure. So we always make a schedule and we try to schedule in that one-on-one time, or like Audrey said, the small group time (laughs) for our families, like 10 AM, that's when I'm going to be sitting down with the kids ages five to eight. And we're going to be working on letters and we're going to be reading easy readers, et cetera. The afternoon time is when I sit down with my teen and we work on his online courses because he really does need one-on-one time, et cetera. So just to plan that out ahead of time. Yes. Oh, that makes so much sense to me. And um, while you're doing the littles, are the bigs doing something school-related on their own? Or are they doing something completely different? How does that work? Yeah, it does work like that. The older kids, the older they are, the more independently they can work. And of course, kids that are suddenly being homeschooled aren't quite used to working as independently, but I think they're going to pick mm-hmm. up on it pretty fast because it's it's just intuitive. They'll look at the stuff and they'll learn to teach themselves. And so 
it that part is quite easy that the big kids have stuff they can work on while you're working with the littles. What's a little harder is to get the little kids to do something independently mm-hmm. while you're working with the big kids because the little kids don't have quite as much. But, you know, like Bonnie said, if you just say, okay, now this is your play in the backyard time. Why don't you guys go build a obstacle course and who can time yourselves and see who can run through it the fastest. And, you know, big brother and I are going to sit down and work on his while you're doing that. So there's ways it can be done, but it is a little trickier. Yes. Just that idea of the obstacle course is a great one. Sometimes I feel like I just, I know there's things that they would do independently, but in the moment I can't think of anything. And so I think sometimes brainstorming, like in the evening when they're already in, in bed, I can sit down and brainstorm. Okay. Tomorrow, what are some things that they might do independently? That way I'm kind of ready for that. Do you have any ideas just off the top of your head of activities that work well to keep your kids occupied doing something kind of creative or even educational on their own? Yeah. You know, I will say right up front that the more screen time my kids have, the less active their imaginations. So I know nobody wants to hear that when they're all stressed out. But if you're like sitting around waiting for your kids to do all these creative, independent things, and you're like, my kids don't do that. It's possible that that maybe the screen time is is blocking that, that imagination. I've noticed that it takes my kids days and days and days of no screens before they really fully embrace that imagination. And sometimes I can't do that. And that's okay. Sometimes I just say, that's not going to be this week. But when I can, then some ideas are, you know, playing with Play-Doh, giving them some random kitchen gadgets out in the yard and say, go to war with the spatula. (laughs) Build, you know, trace your names in the dirt. Really anything. Pretend to build a garden with these flowers. Pull them out and then plant them again. I just come up with the most random things just to get them started. And if they are, you know, really using their imagination, then they are so creative. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I totally agree about the screen thing. And I think sometimes even like you said, how important it is to have a routine or a rhythm. If my kids know that they're not going to get screen time until a certain time of day, then they can be more creative in the morning. Not They're not asking me for the screen because they know that's like late afternoon while I'm prepping dinner. And so I totally agree that having either no screen time adds to a lot more creativity. They have to get bored before they'll get creative, you know, mm-hmm. or at least keeping it in a container that they know they can expect. And so until that time, you're going to have to figure it out, kids. You're going to have to get creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Audrey, do you have any go-to things you do with them? Yeah, we have a whole podcast episode called Family Friendly Activities. That one came about because people were actually asking for activities that could be done with a whole family um, from different ages you know, kind of combining them on the same thing. And obviously some of those that we talked about on that episode aren't going to be appropriate for when you're in quarantine, but there's a lot of good ideas there that are, I'll just share one of my favorite ones is to have your kids give them the task of planning and executing on serving mom and dad a meal because right now mom and dad aren't going out on date nights, right? So the kids turn the living room into a restaurant and they set a table fancy with a tablecloth and candles and they make the menu and they make the meal. Of course, if you have real little kids, they might need help doing this ahead of time, but they can expend a whole day on making this fancy dinner for mom and dad and then letting mom and dad eat it and providing the music and whatever. That's, that's just a fun, you know, you don't want to do that every day or it loses its novelty, but that's just one fun idea. 
Yeah. Oh, my kids would love that activity. They're five and eight. And I think they would be all about that. So what a fun idea. You would enjoy it too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would totally enjoy it. And one other thing uh, before we move on from one-on-one time that I found interesting was that in one of your episodes you talked about, and this is your homeschooling episode, which I will link. You talk about how in public schools, the research shows that kids really just get 10 seconds of one-on-one time with their teacher every day. And that, and you also said that the research shows that really kids only get about 15 minutes of direct instruction from their teacher, which that's mind blowing. If that's true, I'm like only 15 minutes, but that did give me a lot of peace to realize that a homeschool day doesn't have to be six hours long to be, to be worthwhile. They're going to get as much in a focused block with you. They're going to get more than they would have gotten at school. If there's moms out there thinking that they need to be doing homeschool all day, every day during this quarantine, what are your thoughts for that? Yes, those numbers came um, from when I was going to college for my teacher training. And so that was like over 20 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. that was at the third grade level. They had actually, you know, sat in third grade classrooms and timed those to get wow. those numbers. So I imagine that today with all the distractions and all the interruptions that it can't be much different. So yeah. that totally put my mind at ease when I was thinking about homeschooling, that if I could do just 15 minutes and 10 seconds a day, I'm at least giving them what they would get in public school. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, moms should totally feel confident about just doing a little bit with their kid is, is good. It's great. Yeah. And how much time do you, do you have a set amount of hours that you devote to school each day or does it just depend? So for us personally, we usually do a quote unquote school from about 9am to noon, have lunch, and then my big kids. So the 10 and up group will finish their schoolwork fairly independently in the afternoon. And I'm, you know, available for help if needed. So for the under 10 year olds, we really spend about three hours and that's not sitting there with a paper and pencil for three hours. That's like reading books aloud and maybe doing a little science lesson and maybe doing some coloring and some practicing writing, you know, so it's very, it's very loose and flowy depending on what we need. But yeah, it is by no means six hours a day. That is for sure. Um, and, and really, like you say that they're not getting that at public school either. I think the important thing to remember is that they're having the opportunity to explore different things and to just have a much more loose opportunity to explore, you know, education. Yes. And those learning rich opportunities, like we mentioned before, that aren't necessarily technically school. To be honest, during this whole quarantine so far, we've been out three weeks. We were really sick. So my husband and I actually got COVID-19. And so we haven't started really doing school with them yet. But I was thinking yesterday how my son built a train in his room for several hours and then told me about all of the different cars and what they meant and why he built them this way. And my daughter set up a library and like all of that counts. Those are learning rich experiences. Absolutely. And one other thought I had that I was wondering your thoughts on. So I have some friends that their school districts are being very strict about what they're expected to do. And it's hard. They're like fighting with their kids constantly. And it's taking kind of the joy out of this time that really could be a gift of family time. And one thought that I had is 
they could unenroll their kids in school and then re-enroll them when it's over. I love our school. I love my kids' teachers. I really value what they're going to send home for my kids. I believe that it's good and everything, but not at the expense of my relationship with my kids. And we'll, we'll do what we can do and we'll get through it. And, but don't feel I'm all you moms out there. Don't feel like you have to do it a certain way if it's not working for your kids. I just wanted to put that out there that there can be flexibility with all of this. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I just wanted to share a little something that came up uh, during this quarantine time. I, I stumbled across a comment by a school teacher on someone's post on Facebook, and she was kind of frustrated that she was going to have to kind of unteach all these <laughs> unique ways of learning that the parents were doing, right? And at one point, she called the parents quote unquote, the substitute teachers, right? Which, which I get. And I, I really feel for the teachers in this scenario. It's going to be really hard going back to school next year. Mm. But what that brought up for me was the realization that many parents, I think, do not realize that they are their child's primary teacher. The yes. mom and the dad are their primary teachers. And if they choose to delegate some of that learning to formally trained teachers, awesome. If they want to delegate some to tutors or to online learning, that's awesome. Whatever you choose is right for your child. And so if something that a teacher is saying is not working for your child, don't do it, right? Like don't feel pressured to do something that even if yeah. they're a wonderful teacher, they're just doing the best they know how. They've probably never taught online either or sent home a bunch of stuff and expected parents to do it. You know, yeah. I just really feel like it's important for parents to realize that. Yes, I absolutely agree. And obviously being really respectful and explaining this isn't working for us. This is why we're opting out. But just knowing that you do you do have that authority as their parent yes, to make those exactly. decisions. So, okay, great. And then what is your third takeaway? So third takeaway is to start small. So I think that so many parents are just tempted to go all in and, you know, bring home all the worksheets and let's go, go, go. But it's really overwhelming when you've gone from nothing to, you know, full steam ahead. So like you were mentioning earlier, just these really learning rich activities. Talk about what you can do together for 10 minutes. Like, okay, guys, I want to do something educational today for 10 minutes. What do you think? Could we watch this really cool show about seals and then we could draw them and then we could look them up and find out what else is cool about them? Whatever. Could we read books together? And then you can just work up gradually from there. Eventually things will spiral out of control again because that's just kind of the cyclical nature of life. You know, you, you get a handle on things and then something happens and throws a wrench in the years. Oh, yes. But then you can step back and do the same thing. Start small again and don't give up just because you hit road bumps along the way. Yes, absolutely. I feel like having the grace and self-compassion for your kids, but also for yourself. And just if something is a total train wreck or the schedule doesn't work and you wrote out this whole hour by hour schedule and you realize it was too much and everyone's mad and just, you can just say, well, that didn't work. We'll try something else tomorrow. You know, like just that kind voice to yourself during this new experience and also keeping that kind voice with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening to the podcast episode that your three assistants did, and it really resonated with me what um, Molly kept saying. She ends her sentences with, mm -hmm. and that's okay. <laughs> and how helpful that is at this time that that didn't work out. And that's okay. So switch and try something mm -hmm. else new. Because, you know, if you haven't been educating your child, teaching your child, interacting with your child as their teacher from the time they were five, and now you're just starting 
and they're eight or 12, you really don't know or aren't familiar with your child's way of learning. And so you have to learn the best way to teach them as well. And so just start small. And if that didn't work, that's okay. And try something different tomorrow. Yeah. And I've also heard you recommend to build your quote, homeschool curriculum, whatever that may look like, build it around your strengths and the things that you love to do as a mom. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's. If you really have a passion for art, bring in more art. If you love to cook, do like teach them through cooking, whatever it might be. It's going to make it so much more fun for you. And you'll probably be better, a better teacher when you're building on your strengths. Yes, that's true. That's how you bring joy into the processes when the joy starts inside of you and then you can share it with them and they can do it too. So that's really where, where the joy comes in. Is there something unique that, that you have done with your homeschool time based on your strengths and interests as like individual women? Well, something I really love to do that is a big part of our homeschooling with the children when they're little is poetry memorization. So I love poetry. I do. I really love poetry. So I do take about 15 minutes every morning and work with my four youngest, well, not the baby, so the four next ones. And we do poetry every day because it brings joy to me to hear them memorizing these poems and reciting them to their friends. And well, now on FaceTime with grandpa and grandma and and the delight that it brings grandpa and grandma. And, you know, then they get a little boost too when grandpa and grandma are so happy with them and tell them how wonderful they did on this poem. So that's just one example of something that I just love and have incorporated into our homeschooling. Oh, that's beautiful. And Bonnie, what about you? Well, I am a huge fan of reading, which is a good thing because you do a lot of it when you're a homeschooler. Um, and so when, when things get chaotic out of control and I feel like I'm not connecting with my kids and all I'm doing is yelling, then we always go back to read alouds. We're a huge fan of the read aloud revival book and podcast. And just, I'm always looking for suggestions for things to read aloud to my kids. Even sometimes the teenager will sit down and watch and read a picture book that I'm going through with the little kids. And I just think it's this awesome moment of sitting together connecting through this cute or funny or heartwarming story. And then we can always, that kind of always wipes the slate clean and gives us a fresh start when things have spiraled out of control. So that's something I always go back to. And maybe we probably do too much reading and not enough math, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Oh, that's how I do it too. I mean, so far, like I said, we haven't done much quote formal school, but I've been reading to my kids a lot during these three weeks off because I love it. And I actually went online and ordered a bunch of books that I remember loving when I was their age, like Shiloh and Wayside School is Falling Down and Hatchet. And I'm like, I'm excited to read these books with my kids during this time. Yeah, you're making memories. And when they look back on this time, they're going to remember you doing that and reading to them. And it's going to be such a joyful, happy, warm memory for them of this time. Yes, absolutely. And we've done zero math because, well, we baked cookies one day. We, we doubled the recipe and baked cookies. That was my, my I'm a in, former English teacher, high school English teacher. So that's my best attempt at math. Yeah, that is my favorite attempt. Yeah. For a third grader yeah. and a kindergartner, that math is just fine. So that's what we're going to do. Well, ladies, this has been so, so helpful. Thank you for these basic, overall overarching basics about really enjoying this time that we're, quote, homeschooling our kids. Even if it's not, you know, what we expected, even if we're kind of accidentally homeschooling, we can really use this time as an opportunity and a gift. And I'm so grateful for your insights on that. And I was wondering if you have any final encouragement for the moms who are listening. Yeah, we do. We want to say, just remember, you're not alone. 
not only is every single family in the U.S. and possibly even the whole world homeschooling right now, so you're not alone in that way, but there are so many resources out there for homeschoolers. So you say math isn't your thing and what you're doing is awesome for your kindergartner and your third grader. But as they get older, if you were to continue uh, homeschooling them, there is so many options out there for you to to use a tutor or um, Khan Academy or a math curriculum or anything to help them with math because that's not your strength. And so homeschooling supplies, there's an abundance of them. You could never review and use them all. There, there's just too many. And so you're not alone in that way either. There are so many resources out there to help you. And do you have a post somewhere where you have like some of your favorite websites or resources that you use in your homes? So we are planning some upcoming podcast episodes on specific um, subjects with lots of resources there, but I have a blog post or two that we can link to that that have some of my favorite links for getting started. And just as a follow-up to Audrey's comment, there are so many resources, but also there are so many resources. Like, <laughs> Don't let yourself get overwhelmed and realize that you are enough. Just, just as their mom who loves them and wants them to learn, you are enough to keep them going and help them have a wonderful, memorable experience during this time. Oh, thank you so much for that reminder. We are enough. There's help out there for us, but if even if we never utilize it, especially during the short stint of time, what we're doing for our kids is enough. So thank you so much, ladies, for coming on 3 and 30. Thanks for having us. Friends, I hope that episode eased your mind a little bit and helped you redefine what homeschooling can look like in your own home. I love the realistic and family-first take that these two super moms have about homeschooling. You can find more of Bonnie and Audrey's wisdom on their podcast, Outnumbered, and I will actually be a guest on their show tomorrow if you're interested in listening to me there. I'll link it up in the show notes as soon as it goes live. And to recap their three takeaways for the accidental homeschooling mom, don't forget, first, prioritize your own self-care as you try to homeschool your kids, whether that means getting up before them or expecting them to allow you to do those things that are important to you, even if they're awake. Your self-care and a bit of quiet time each day matters more than ever as you're taking on this new challenge of educating your kids at home. Second, focus on one-on-one -on -one time, doing fun and learning-rich experiences with your kids. And remember that a little bit of that goes a long way, and it's probably much more than what they would be getting in a class of 30 students at school. So give yourself grace and get creative about how to occupy your other children so that you can get at least a few minutes of this one-on-one -on -one learning and playtime with each child each day. And three, start small. You don't have to take on an entire official homeschooling curriculum all at once. Focus on your strengths and interests and build learning-rich experiences around those. And if your school district is making that really difficult for your family, maybe have a respectful conversation with them about your children's needs and consider some different options. My friends, even though I'm a former teacher myself, homeschooling has not come easily to me thus far, and I've beat myself up about it at times, but with these grace-filled tips from Bonnie and Audrey, I feel much more excited to restructure what we've been doing for home education and embrace it for the opportunity it really is to spend time with and grow closer to my kids in small, manageable chunks, and then send them outside to play for a while. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, I'm here for you, and I hope you have a positive week as you attempt to homeschool your family.